Well, good morning again, everybody. Wow, that was way better than before. Way better. You guys are improving so fast. It is so good to see you. I am so thankful to be back. I spent last week or Thanksgiving week back in Wisconsin. Uh, don't hate me. I know that the Badgers beat the, uh, the Gophers. But, uh, but that's okay because, hey, it's still snowing outside, and, or it was, and, and that's all good. So I love this time of year. Does anybody else like this time of year, Christmas season? I love it. I love everything about it. And I can't believe it, but we're actually only two and a half weeks away from Christmas. Isn't that crazy? Where did the time go? I just love this season. I love the festivities. I love the parties. I love the food. I eat too much of it. It's just amazing. But you know, as I think about it, the thing that I love most about Christmas, and I know it sounds a little corny as a pastor to say this, but I love the story of Jesus. I love what Christmas is really about. That you and I, we were broken. We were destined to be separated from God. But because of what Jesus did, because of what we celebrate, his coming, we call that Advent. Because of his Advent, we now have the opportunity to know him and to be reconciled for the purpose that we were all created for. And I just love that, don't you? It's just absolutely amazing. Well, today we're kicking off a new series called Christmas People. And in this series, what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand a little bit more clearly who the people and the characters around the Christmas story really were. So we see, you know, these nativity sets, and we see, you know, Mary and Joseph, and we see baby Jesus and this little, you know, wooden basket thing, and, and it's weird because animals eat out of that, and, you know, and you see these wise men and shepherds, and, and it's really cool, but I, I wonder sometimes if we really have a good understanding of what's actually going on in the Christmas story. And so in this series, we're going to look at different Groups of people. We're going to look at the shepherds today. We're going to look at the magi, which I don't even know what that means. We're going to look at them next week. And we're going to look at Mary and Joseph the week prior to Christmas Eve. And I'm super excited about that. And today we're going to take a look at the shepherds. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dig right in together. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, so much for the opportunity to be here to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for this season. I'm so grateful, Lord, that you made a way. Lord, I pray that you would work in and among us today. I pray, Lord, that we might see you in a new light, that we might understand what you're about. And, God, that in the midst of all of it, you would be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. So I don't know about you, but I really love stories. Stories, good stories, with a, with a great protagonist and a, and a nice plot and this kind of major thing that the hero is trying to conquer. I love all kinds of stories. I really love movies in particular. And I love it when the, you know, when the hero has great odds or, or this and that. But I think one of my favorite types of stories is when the hero is somebody that's completely unexpected. You know what I'm talking about? Those stories where the hero comes from absolutely nowhere... And ends up making a huge difference in the context of what's going on. So I'll give you a couple of examples. I'm kind of a Star Wars nut. December 20th, by the way. Anybody know what that date is? A <laughs> couple people. I love Star Wars, right? 
And in Star Wars, you have a couple of different heroes that come from nowhere. In the original Star Wars movies, this guy named Luke Skywalker is from this desert planet. It's desolate. He's a moisture farmer. He's literally the definition of a nobody. And yet he ends up having this huge galactic level of importance. Or even the new Star Wars movies. Rey, very similar story. She comes from the middle of nowhere. She's a a junk collector. And yet, I suspect we'll have a major part before the story's over. Even in some less manly, star, epic, crazy stories, you see this. Cinderella's a good example. How many of you guys like Cinderella? Anybody? She started off as a nobody. She was a maid, wasn't she? And yet, ended up becoming a princess. Like, there's something about that. You know what I mean? Something about that story. Seeing somebody that we can sort of identify with in our normalness, that then is elevated into this beautiful and rich hero. Well, today we're going to look at a group of people that are kind of like that. The shepherds. A group of very ordinary individuals that had a very extraordinary purpose in God's plan. And so if you've got your Bibles, why don't you grab them? We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to grab one from a purple chair around you, or you're welcome to follow along with me. Today we're going to see who the shepherds were and why it is that they had some significance in the story. And what is it that we learn about God from them? And what is it that we learn about ourselves and how we should respond to God's call? We're going to start in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So I would suspect that many of us, if not most, have heard that story before. That's a common thing. We, we read Luke chapter 2 a lot of times at Christmas. And it's this beautiful story, one that we're very familiar with. So these shepherds, they're somewhat minding their own business. They're doing their job. And all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, an angel pops in. And it goes from being dark to being light. Like, I don't know about you, but I would probably think it was a UFO. Either that or Jake, who packed the lunch, put something a little squirrely in the lunchbox this week, Right? But the angel, he says, no, 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 don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. And it's going to be really joyful news. The Messiah has been born. The greatest hero you can imagine. The Superman plus Batman plus Thor plus Iron Man, all wrapped up into one times a thousand, has come. And in Jewish culture, when the Messiah came, that was literally the best news possible. And then all of a sudden, after the angel says this, he opens the eyes of these shepherds and they see this enormous sight. They see this army of angels. 
The word host here gives the impression of soldiers, and I love this, like a bunch of warrior angels just boom, you know what I mean? Super cool scene. And they say, glory to God in the highest. And then they say the greatest thing that a soldier could ever say, peace on earth. What a rich scene. But you know what's really crazy about this? Probably the most unexpected part of the story is in the first verse. Let's read it again together. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. So I have in my house a nativity scene. Does anybody have a nativity scene at their house? I'm making you guys raise your hands a lot today. We're going to get our workout, right? So this is a picture of the nativity scene that sits in my living room. And you can see you got Mary and Joseph in the middle, and you've got Jesus right there, you know, on the manger. You've got the wise men on the left, and then on the right-hand side, there's an arrow here on this next screen. That's the shepherd. Now, the only problem with that shepherd is that it's completely wrong. In this picture, you see a shepherd who looks... Very pious, very religious, very holy, very clean. But the thing is, that is nowhere near what a real shepherd would have looked like. You see, shepherds in Jewish culture would have been the most unexpected group of people for the announcement of the coming Messiah to have gone to. Like, you could not have been further from expectation. I mean, you would have expected this news to have gone to, like, the high priest, right? The high priest is, like, the ultimate religious authority. It's like the pope in the Catholic Church. He's, like, the guy. Or you would have thought maybe he's going to go to a, to a group of evangelists or, or preachers or theologians, maybe. Maybe the smart people are going to get the message. But that's not the way it worked. It went to the shepherds. Now, shepherds in Jewish culture, they were outcasts. In the truest sense, they were outcasts. Now, oftentimes in Scripture, the analogy of shepherding is, is used frequently. In fact, Jesus is called the good shepherd. But nonetheless, in first century Judaism, they would have been looked down upon more than perhaps any other class of people. In fact, one theologian says this, shepherds, especially those charged with the night watch, were among the most socially undesirable classes. They were considered disreputable and unclean, and they represented the outcasts and sinners for who Jesus came. Like, this is not who you'd want to be if you wanted to grow up, to be somebody. If it was the family business, you'd be like, mm, maybe I'll go be a fisherman. You just would not want to be a shepherd. Now, there are two things that highlight how the shepherds were looked down upon. One example of how they were looked down upon is they did not even have the right to testify in court. So let's just play this out. So say I'm a shepherd and I'm tending my flock and I see some cat over there that steals a couple sheep from my neighbor. I can't even testify in court to say that that was true. They were disreputable. They were viewed as nobodies, not someone that was trustworthy. Another thing about 
shepherds was they were, by their profession, considered to be unclean. Now, when we're talking about unclean, we're not talking about like washing your hands before you eat or taking a shower once in a while. We're talking about ceremonial uncleanliness. And in the Jewish tradition, this would have been a really big deal. You see, in order to worship God in the temple, the place where God's presence dwelt, you had to be ceremonially clean or you were not allowed in. And so there are a variety of ways in which you could become unclean, but in order to become clean again, you had to go through a very methodical process before then you were allowed to be reintroduced back into the group of the Jewish people. The problem is that by their vocation, shepherds were always considered unclean. So let's play that out in our context. Let's say you're a salesman, okay? And because you're a salesman, simply by your vocation, you're not allowed to come into Gateway Church. Let's say you're a construction worker. Just because of what you do, you can't walk in the door. This group of people, the shepherds, were literally the most unexpected group of people to hear the news of the greatest hero in history. And although this is a magnificent scene, what we've seen here so far, the craziest part is that it came to the shepherds. You see, God has a tendency to use unexpected people. God has a tendency to use unexpected people. Let's look at a few examples from Scripture. Noah. Noah was a drunkard. Abraham. Abraham was too old to do anything. Isaac was a daydreamer. Moses, he couldn't speak well. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Although, this is an interesting note about Rahab. Rahab was actually in the lineage of Jesus. Pretty interesting, right? Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. And don't get any ideas. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Nobody would like that. Nobody. Amen. I figured I'd get at least one. <laughs> Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Jesus and Lazarus was dead. God uses unexpected people. In fact, if you go through the entire Bible, I would challenge you to find one person that God was like, oh, there's my ringer. Finishing the end of the race, I'm pulling in this guy. There's nobody like that. Everybody in Scripture that God used was broken. Everybody in Scripture that God used was beat up, was unworthy, and was ultimately unexpected. I want to talk to you for a minute here. I'm going to pull up the stool. I don't know if you know this, but you and I are unexpected people too. Like, let's be real, okay? You and I, we're a mess. Like, I'm a mess. I was working on this sermon on Tuesday. That's one of my primary days that I prepare my sermons. And I'm sitting there and I'm trying to concentrate. And all I can think about is Star Wars, man. <laughs> like, I'm a mess. <laughs> and so are you. I love you. 
but you're a mess too. But God, he has this tendency to use unexpected people. Now, when I say that to you, when I say that you're a mess, that you're unexpected, you probably are thinking one of two different things, right? You're either thinking down one pathway, which is, oh, I'm not really a mess. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you think I am, Jeff. Well, have you ever had a, a bad thought about somebody? Have you ever had a lustful look? Have you ever cut that corner just a little bit at work? I mean, just a little. Like nobody's even going to notice. It only takes that to be a mess, to be sinful, to become unexpected. And yet, God still chooses to use unexpected people. Now, that's one pathway. The other pathway sometimes that I think we get into is we think, I am too bad, I am too evil, I'm too broken and messed up for God to use. Well, you saw the list of people I just threw up there. I don't care how messed up you think you are. God can use you for his purposes. He desires to use you. Welcome to the club of humanity if you're sinful. God uses unexpected people. I have a really good friend in ministry. Uh, I worked with him for a number of years. His name is Jason. He's pastored for over 20 years. And recently he told me a story of a time where he had this crazy experience with God. Like most of the time, for most of us, we experience God slowly and in the process of our daily living and in the rhythms of life. You know, we pray and, and, and we read the word and God changes us slowly and methodically over time. Well, in this moment in Jason's life, God did something crazy. So he was at a college, he was speaking, and at dinner that night, he and his wife were eating and for whatever the reason, he started crying. Now, this wasn't like a cute little tear cry. This was like the ugly cry. Like the you're making a scene cry, right? And that initiated a multiple week-long process where God wrecked my friend, Jason. As he was telling me about this story, the one word that came to his mind that God gave him was disqualified. Now, that doesn't mean that, that he had a moral failure or that he was embezzling money from, the, from his church. That doesn't mean any of that. That's not what that was. But it meant that he was unexpected, that he was unworthy, that he didn't have it together. And yet, that's so much our story, too, that God chooses to use Unexpected people. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 1. It says this, verses 26 through 29. Brothers and sisters, think of where you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not, 
to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. You see, God uses unexpected people, broken people, messed up people like you and like me. Because the story is about God, not about you and me. Did you catch that? Like the story is about God and what he wants to do. How he is the hero. And you and I, we have like a sentence in the book that is history. That's it. Just a sentence. Now it doesn't mean we're insignificant, but it means that the story is about God and about how he wants to use us. And he chooses to use broken people because if we were whole, like if we were okay, then we'd think it's about us. But that's just not the way that it works. And the shepherds are such a beautiful illustration of this. They are broken, messed up, like who knows when the last time they showered was kind of people. Like how many of you guys, this is a good question. How many of you guys have been to the fair? Anybody? State fair? Amanda and I really like going to the fair. One of the things that we really like to do at the fair is we like to go to the, um, the places where they have all the animals. You know, like the big stadiums and stuff like that, right? And you walk in there, and I hope you're not eating when you do. Because it stinks. I mean, I love animals, but woo! Like, that's what these shepherds were. They were living with their animals. They didn't have nice homes inside of town. They were the night watch, the people that nobody wanted to see, the people that somebody's walking down the middle of the way and you're like, I'll go this way. Like, that's who they were. And yet God used them to announce the greatest victory in all of history. How beautiful is God that he would use you and me as messed up as we are. Right? Now it's not enough that we just understand this. Like we're broken and we're unlovely and we're hurting and our marriage is a wreck and and our jobs, if we even have a job, is, is on the rocks at best. Our kids are crazy. Whatever it might be. But God still uses us. But the thing is, is he doesn't use us exactly where we are. Like he moves us forward. It's not okay for us to just sit back and just be. God wants us to progress. He wants us to be on a journey with him in this life. And that's what he does with the shepherds too. He doesn't leave them alone. He presses them forward. And in that we see a little bit of what we can be like. About what God can use us for. So let's continue to read, starting in verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all of the things they had heard and seen 
which were just as they had been told. You see, it's important for us to know that although God uses unexpected people, our response should be a certain way. And the shepherds, they responded in a couple of ways. Let's go through these one at a time. First, in verse 15, they obeyed what God said. They obeyed. Verse 15, let's go to Bethlehem and see what's happened. And they actually did it. They did something. Now, I don't know about you, but like, if I was one of those shepherds, I might be like, I think I'm going to roll back over and go back to bed. Like they had every reason not to go, didn't they? Ah, maybe I just dreamed it. Maybe it was those psychedelic mushrooms. Whatever. Maybe it really was an alien. I don't know. They had every reason not to. Who's going to believe them anyway, right? We're nobodies. But they didn't. They immediately got up and they obeyed. They did what God was asking them to do. So what does that look like for you? What's God asking us to do individually and corporately? Is God asking you to love on someone specifically this season? Is God asking you to get out of your comfort zone? You know, I think sometimes we have a tendency to to come in and to to listen to a preacher like rattle off stuff and then we're like, oh, that's interesting. And then we leave and we're like focused on the next thing. But like what is it that God's trying to do in your life so that when you leave this building, after you've worshipped and after you've, you've done your thing, it impacts and changes your life? What does that look like for you? Maybe it means loving on your neighbor in a new way. Maybe there's somebody in your circle who's, who's lost someone in the last year that you can like show audacious compassion to. Like audacious compassion. I'd encourage you, I'd challenge you. Maybe write some of those people down and do something. The Christian faith is not about like contemplation and reflection. Certainly there, there is those elements to it, but it's so much more than that. Jesus was all about action about engaging the world, and we should be too. The shepherds, they obeyed what God told them to do. That's the first thing we need to do is obey. Second thing that the shepherds did is that they shared the news. Let's look at this, 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. I mean, straightforwardly, we just need to be sharing the good news, right? We just need to be telling people about Jesus. Now, I know that that comes with so much stigma, right? Like, oh man, if I don't like have a degree in theology, I can't do that. If I don't have every answer, I can't do that. Or I struggle with my own doubts. How could I tell somebody else about something like that? Is anybody in that? You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody in that mode where you thought like, ah, I just, ah, but what if I say the wrong thing? But the thing is, man, that's not what it's about. Sharing the beauty of Jesus is about saying, look, man, Jesus satisfies me more than anything. More than anything else. And you know what? I think you should try him out too. Like how would we get people to Try something else that we like, right? Like, okay, so we just got Disney Plus in my house, and I love it. Star Wars is all there, by the way. I love it, right? 
So how would I tell somebody that I like Star Wars? Hey, Terry, you know what? I just, I just want you to know, man, like, I just got Disney Plus and I love it. You should try it. Like, why is it different with Jesus? Hey, I've got Jesus in my life. I know that might sound a little peculiar, but you should come check it out. And look, there's a 30-day free risk policy. You can send it back if you don't like him. <laughs> right? Invite him in here. He or she. Those people. Invite them to have a conversation. Invite them to have a conversation with, with me or one of the other church leaders. Like, I'm good with that. If you call me up and say, hey, I told my friend to come to church and I don't know what to do. Like, let's navigate it together. If what we really have is as satisfying and as amazing as we have, like, shouldn't we do something with it? The shepherds, man, they shared the news. Let's be people that share the news of what God has done, particularly this season, right? I don't mean to keep hammering this, but I'm just, I got the mic, so I'm going to keep doing it. I have a challenge for you. One person before the end of 2019. Just one. And all you got to say is, I love Jesus and I think you should check him out. That's it. That's my challenge. We all have people that need him, right? Okay, let's move on. The shepherds, they shared what happened. The last thing that they did is that they worshiped God. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that had happened. Or excuse me, all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Like, I think that this is something that we don't really, we don't really dwell on much, but like life went back to normal after this, to some degree. Like, they didn't stop being shepherds. This crazy moment, they're sharing the, the good news that the Messiah is here, and then a couple weeks later, they're still tending sheep. But what the Bible says is that they worshiped God at that point. Man, what would it look like for us to be a community of faith that is constantly worshiping where we are? Look, you might not like your job. You might not have a job. You might be really down because of the holidays. Maybe you're really hurting and sore. Life is just poked your eyes out. You know what I mean? Like, what does it look like for us to worship in that place? For us to love God, for us to get involved here at Gateway Church, get involved in a life group, a place where there's people that love on you that can help you worship God, like authentically worship God. What would it look like maybe for, for your holiday season to look a little bit different? Maybe it's not just about Santa and, 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 and red and green stuff and presents. And like maybe, it's, maybe it's about serving others. Yeah, maybe it's about going somewhere like the ABBA Pregnancy Resource Center and volunteering. Maybe it's about volunteering here at Gateway. Maybe it's about going someplace like Feed My Starving Children. I love that organization. And serving. These are organizations that are pushing back the darkness. What does it look like to have a lifestyle of worship? God uses unexpected people. You're unexpected. I'm unexpected. I mean, who would have thought like, I mean, really? Really? But God uses us, man. 
in our unexpectedness. And he wants to use you. So let him. Let's be a group of people that God uses to change the world. Because it only takes us. We can change the world, church. How cool would that be? So let's be that kind of people. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, so much for this example of the shepherds and the way that they saw you, Lord, the way that they responded to you. Thank you, Lord, that you use unexpected people, beat up, broken, outcast, ragtags. Fill in the blank, Lord. You use us. I'm so thankful, Lord, for you, for what you're doing here in our midst at Gateway. I pray, Lord, that as we approach the end of this year, that we would be obedient to you, that we would share our faith, Lord, that you would move us into a place where, where we worship you every moment of our day, every day of our lives, God, because you're worthy of it. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.